You're listening to the Pro-Life Ohio podcast presented by Ohio Right to Life. I'm Allie Frazier, the Director of Communications at Ohio Right to Life and your host. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. I hope you are having a great Thursday and staying safe out there. I am very excited to announce that over the next several weeks, we will be doing a special series of episodes on the Pro-Life Ohio podcast. The series is called The Push for the Abortion Pill, and we will focus on the spread of chemical abortions and how the abortion industry is pushing these dangerous drugs on vulnerable women in more ways than ever before. In this week's episode, Heartbeat International's Krista Brown, a registered nurse and medical impact director, and Andrea Trudden, Director of Communications and Marketing, will discuss how the abortion industry's push to expand access nationally to chemical abortions is endangering women and how we can offer hope to women who regret beginning the chemical abortion process. Enjoy the show. Today on the Pro-Life Ohio podcast, we have some very special guests. Um, and Andrea and Krista are going to be talking to us about the chemical abortion pill and the spread of chemical abortions in the United States um, and how the abortion industry is pushing these dangerous drugs on vulnerable women in more ways than ever before. So uh, Andrea, um, Krista, so wonderful to meet you. Do you mind just introducing yourself um, real quick to uh, our podcast listeners? Sure, so my name is Krista Brown and I am the Director of Medical Impact for Heartbeat International. So I assist pregnancy clinics with their medical needs and I also oversee abortion pill rescue. And I'm Andrea Trudden, the Director of Communications and Marketing for Heartbeat International. Um, we have more than 2,900 pregnancy help organization locations throughout the world in more than 60 countries. Um, and we took over management of the Abortion Pill Rescue Network in 2018. And so we definitely have um, seen more than 1,000 lives saved from this. We get to see the stories. And we, I look forward to talking to you about uh, what chemical abortion does and how we are able to kind of combat that in this day and time. Perfect. Well, Andrea, Chris, Krista, I'm so excited to have you guys on. Um, we love Heartbeat International and we love all the work that you guys are doing. Um, so yeah, we're super hyped to talk to you about this today. Um, I think let's just, let's start out, out at the beginning. Um, what is the abortion pill? What is its history and what does it do? Sure. So can I start, Andrea, and then you, maybe you can move forward. So um, chemical abortion is ending a pregnancy. So it's different than the morning after pill. So um, we prefer the words chemical abortion, but it's also called RU46. It's called medication abortion, medical abortion, other terminology. Um, part of why we prefer chemical abortion is because, you know, medical or medicine implies healing. And with chemical abortion, a life is ended. So there isn't really a problem to be solved, a medical problem. Um, so we prefer chemical abortion. It was first approved way back in 1980, a long time ago, not approved, I'm sorry, it was developed, but it was approved in the U.S. in the year 2000. So it had existed for some time before it was approved in the U.S. And it was sort of pushed through really quickly. There was a a president at the time that um, gave an order to move it through quickly. And so since 2000, it's been legal in the United States to prescribe 
in that early in those early days it was only available through 49 days of pregnancy and then in two th in 2016 um, they changed that protocol the FDA changed that protocol and they expanded it to 70 weeks and that protocol still stands with the FDA um, we are seeing it now prescribed through 11 weeks um, ACOG has sort of advocated for that but um, the FDA has stuck to the to the 70 days protocol, and in that time when they when they made that, that seems like such a subtle change, not a not a lot of number difference, but because a lot of women um, don't know they're pregnant in those early days, what it effectively did was double the number of women that were that were available to have a chemical abortion. So it really expanded their customer base, um, and so um, so yeah. Go ahead, Andrea. And, and to really understand, um, for those who don't know anything about the abortion pill, which I know um, I didn't know until a few years ago, of course, when we started to see it more and more uh, kind of being publicized, um, what the abortion pill is, is actually a, a combination of two different pills, mifepristone and misoprostol. Mifepristone is um, the first pill that a woman will take um, at the abortion clinic and what that does is that blocks all the progesterone from continuing to get to the to the growing baby and so um 24 to 48 hours later um after basically it's making the the pregnancy unstable the progesterone is not getting uh to help the baby thrive um 24 to 48 hours later she's she takes um, the second pill, which is misoprostol, and that evacuates the pregnancy. So what we are um, seeing with this is multiple countries have had this for years, and the U.S., um, like Krista said, did uh, introduce it and approve it um, in 2000, so we've seen that grow. Um, this year, it was about 40% of all abortions were through chemical abortion, and we're anticipating about 50% of those being in 2021. So as we've been seeing this trend grow, we are um, seeing the women who, after taking that first pill, and I know we'll get into this later, but they're experiencing that regret right away. So we know that women are, um, we're, we're learning of these women faster um, than in the past, which of course with surgical abortion, when you have that, it is, it is complete. Unfortunately, we cannot help those women, but we're finding ways that we can actually intervene in the middle of a pregnant, or sorry, in the middle of an abortion uh, through this chemical abortion. And what is really sad is that it, it still is providing a lot of profit to the abortion industry. So while it is faster to administer and easier to send a woman home, um, they're still making a lot of money off of these vulnerable women. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as we see um, Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry just continue to kind of expand, um, expand their range um, of abortion pill and how they're prescribing it, more women are being victimized and uh, more babies are losing their lives to abortion. So um, we definitely appreciate the abortion pill reversal hotline. And as you mentioned, Andrea, we are going to get more into that later. Super excited for that. Um, another thing I wanted to talk to you guys about specifically um, was telemedicine. We're seeing, um, especially on our legislative front right now, a lot of action around um, Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry expanding the way that they administer um, the abortion pill, um, specifically through a process called telemedicine, which is something that Ohio Right to Life has been working on a legislative front. And um, especially in light of the COVID-19 crisis, we have seen 
that this is something that we are um, extremely excited to prioritize because we know that it's a big area where Planned Parenthood is growing. Um, so what can you speak to us about, um, about telemedicine, what it is, and why Planned Parenthood in the abortion industry is pushing it so hard right now? Well, you know, telemedicine in itself isn't a bad thing necessarily for a lot of medicine, and we've seen that during the COVID pandemic, that what people have been able to get healthcare that needed it. Um, I think the issue is, is abortion healthcare. So, um, and so if you would disagree with that, you would say that this is not a good move, and it, remo it, it removes some of the um, cautionary measures that the FDA has put in place if you provide abortion completely through telemedicine. So what some have written about is um, no touch, abortion, which involves no test, no ultrasound, no contact with the patient, and that isn't the way that the FDA has set up the process. So there should be a process where the, the medication is actually dispensed directly through the abortion facility. And so the idea is that they would lower those safeguards, the FDA would lower those safeguards, because many um, Many, about 76% of OBs don't prescribe. Many, there are many areas that don't have an abortion facility near them. Um, the medications cannot be prescribed through a commercial pharmacy. They have to be dispensed directly from an abortion facility. So trying to, to move any of those safeguards out of the way only puts women at risk. So there really isn't a benefit to women who go for their chemical abortion in providing this. Um, the idea that there is complete privacy has never been true because it is a it is a process that involves pain and bleeding and possible health care is going to be needed. There needs to be an exam to determine the dating of the pregnancy, the location of the pregnancy prior to to, to giving this this chemical so um, so in a sense it you know telemedicine isn't a bad thing but in this case it it doesn't have any benefit for the women it only has benefit for those that might profit from the abortion procedure and expanding upon that by taking out that human element it actually takes away the safeguards that we have in place right now for the health of the woman the reason we have um, certain processes is because there needs to be a confirmation of pregnancy. And with telemedicine, that's not always guaranteed. Um, there needs to be that ultrasound to confirm, like Krista was saying, the location of the pregnancy. Is it ectopic? Is it, um, is it moving along fine? Um, and then also the age, because if you don't have an ultrasound to confirm how far along the baby is, she might be 16 weeks, but think that she's six weeks. I mean, that is something that does happen. If a woman doesn't know how far along she is, how is she supposed to know that? Oh, yeah, 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 I'm definitely under those 70 days. And so it takes away those safeguards that are in place for the health of the woman, because in any of those cases, additional medical attention may be necessary. And what is she going to do in those cases? What guidance are they providing? And they may be offering some like next steps or something, but Ultimately, she's now alone in her house to choose whichever path she goes forward and probably is going to be via 911 or an emergency room. But what we're finding is that in many cases, they're not always then saying why they're at the emergency room, either because of embarrassment or um, guidance or just panic. They may not know what's going on. So by removing the human element completely in this particular case, it is not healthy for the woman at all. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I know when, um, when talking about um, telemedicine and any way in which the abortion pill is dispensed remotely, there's always so many dangers that come alongside that for the woman, um, which are honestly quite troubling um, and not in the best interests of women who are in vulnerable, vulnerable positions at all. And it's interesting too, because telemedicine isn't the only way that the abortion industry is pushing the abortion pill right now. And we're also seeing them push for abortion pills to be available directly online on websites. Can you guys explain a little bit about these websites or um, what you know about them and how they offer an additional degree of danger to women who may find themselves unexpectedly pregnant? Sure. So on any given day, there are about 70 websites that you can order these chemicals. Most of them are, are not in the U.S. They are difficult to regulate. They go up and down commonly. There's no guarantee of what you're getting. So we've had women call our hotline and we, we want to know exactly what they took. It's one of our first questions. And they sometimes say there is no label. There is no dosage. There's no name. So it's, it's, you really aren't guaranteed what you're getting. So it's extremely dangerous for women. The FDA on their website has a warning to not purchase chemical abortion through these websites, so but they continue to exist and people do access them. Another issue besides, you know, the idea that you don't really know what you're getting um, is that anyone can access them. So you don't have to be the pregnant woman. There's no guarantee who is buying the, the chemical abortion. So it could be someone who's trafficking women. It could be a boyfriend. It could be a mom. And so that's extremely concerning because we know that many women choose abortion um, with, with a lot of pressure. So if the person has the, the, the pill right there with them as they're pressuring for abortion, it's an ex extremely unfair situation for the woman who's trying to make the best choice possible for everyone in that unexpected pregnancy. And instead of empowering her and helping her make a really solid decision, she could possibly be coerced even further if the medication is there. And then one other thing I just wanted to mention is um, there's aid access and women on the web. Um, aid access is a spinoff of women on the web and they offer abortion to areas mostly um, outside of the U.S., but sometimes in the U.S., they um, offer in areas where they feel that it is, is not as accessible, even though we know they have shipped um, chemical abortion to states where abortion is actually available. So sometimes it doesn't make sense. But that has happened during the pandemic when abortion clinics were closed, um, that they were helping women get abortion. So if you felt like, oh, the abortion clinics in my area were closed, so there were no abortions going on, that wasn't necessarily true. And sometimes we do hear people say, you know, um, you know, it's, it's so far to get, it's so far to get to an abortion facility from my area. Like there isn't anything for miles around, but because of these websites, because there is access, um, if there are women in your community, there is chemical abortion happening and the need for abortion pill reversal is also there. Yeah, and I really can't add much more to that because that's that's the biggest problem that we are seeing is that while during this time we are hearing that abortion facilities are closing, um, and, and that's actually been a trend for the past couple years, actually, state by state, more and more abortion facilities have been closing. Um, and we've actually seen more and more pregnancy help organizations opening to serve and support women um, as their trend has gone down. 
Um, however, by having these websites up and running, and like Krista said, there's more than 70 that we are aware of, um, in addition to the lovely um, pushers on social media who are very quick to offer um, pills for women um, from various countries, it's just dangerous. Uh, these women need to have uh, strong support and care and nurturing during a time and not a website that is in many cases up illegally because they're not, they're not allowed to have abortion pills sent through the mail, yet they are there providing information and um, doing everything that they can to get the women these pills in a very illegal way. So it's, it's quite fascinating to really just look. But we are seeing that in um, many cases, more than 60% of the women who do have abortions say that they have them because they felt coerced by somebody else. And we had a story from Nairobi just a couple of weeks ago where the woman's mother was adamant that she have an abortion and she took her from place to place to find somebody who would give this woman who was about 21 weeks along pills to take care of, like to end the pregnancy. And immediately, of course, the woman found APR and was able to reverse the effects of the pills that she was given. But in that case, even they didn't know exactly what they were given because they were basically rolling the dice. The mother was rolling the dice with her daughter's life there because she didn't want her to be pregnant. And it just becomes more and more dangerous, especially as you're just allowing, you're opening the floodgates to an international um, internet of pills. And that's never safe for anybody. Ali, could I add to that really quickly? Um, there was, right before I started with Heartbeat, I worked in a pregnancy center. And whenever I hear of someone who got the medication online or was not assessed before she started her chemical abortion, um, I think of one of the last clients I had before I started at Heartbeat and I was still doing scans at the, at the local pregnancy center. And there was a woman that came in who said she was, she thought she was between six to eight weeks. She was living in a shelter for women, um, abused women. Um, she was under a lot of stress. She was not well nourished. So her periods were very irregular and um, she had an appointment for her chemical abortion. And when she lifted her shirt, I was, um, surprised because I realized she was, there was no way she was six to eight weeks pregnant, even though she was undernourished a bit. And as I started the scan, she was 28 weeks pregnant and she was pregnant with two babies, not just one. And so, um, so it was quite a shocking moment for me and it was even more shocking for her. And, um, but I often think of what would have happened if she hadn't had that safeguard in place to have that ultrasound ahead of time, had she just purchased the medication, just done this at home, um, no one will know, it'll, it'll, it'll be behind me. Um, you know, she, she was under such difficult circumstances. Those babies may have been born alive at 28 weeks. Um, she may have had to decide what she was gonna do with, with the babies alive or if they had passed away during the process. Um, the trauma to that woman, the trauma to those babies that could have happened. So I commonly think of that situation because she was pretty sure, she was smart, she was articulate, she, she expressed herself very well to tell me how far along she thought she was. And um, ultimately she did choose life for her, for her babies. She wasn't able to um, mother those babies, so she chose a family for those babies. But 
the idea always sticks in my head when we talk about this as Andrea was describing these um, websites, what could happen to women as they're alone in their bedroom, alone in their bathroom, alone in their dorm room, and they're possibly delivering babies um, that could be alive because they don't know the gestation. Um, the idea that they may need to bury the baby um, or dispose of the baby on their own. They're not often told about that part of the abortion. Um, so there's a lot that they're, that they're not told. They're not told necessarily how much pain, how much bleeding, but I think the shock of seeing their children is also um, a very real thing that, that they need to be warned about. Well, and we even know that there are um studies going on over in Africa where they are seeing how far within the pregnancy they can continue to give the women pills. And I know the um, World Health Organization is advocating for just giving the women, I believe it's misoprostol. Um, and so yes. it's like, you're, you're messing with the safety precaution process that we have set up in our country um, to help women as much as we can at this point, though, that's a different issue. <laughs> well, similar, but different. But, um, but then online, they're getting all of this information saying, no, 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 it's okay. You can keep just doing this pill instead or this combination. And it becomes quite dangerous, especially when we get into that international realm where you don't know what you're getting. You're getting information that hasn't truly been tested in a positive way and you're not seeing the outcomes you're not hearing these women's stories you're not hearing them delivering in their home and having this much more developed baby than they were told and it's that really really dramatic reality of this is not a clump of cells this is a baby and it, they're just left to deal with it on their own and it's so sad when you start to really um start to pick apart all the different ways that this can go, but we know that it is happening in other countries of when you start to remove the human element from anything, then you lose that compassion, you, you lose that care, and you are completely just kind of shutting them aside and saying, yep, this is your problem now. And what our pregnancy help organizations do worldwide is they come alongside the woman and they are there to be supportive and to help them make positive choices for themselves and their families and to continue walking alongside them for several years in many cases. Um, so that they, it is not, this is your choice, whatever you decide it's on you. It's, let's talk it through. Let's look at all of your options. Let's see what do you have in mind for your future and let's empower you to make positive choices for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think the abortion industry's desire to expand um, the abortion pill regimen through telemedicine and through on online avenues, essentially, um, is because they they're not really caring about the needs of women. It is a way to kind of pad their bottom line because it is cheaper and it is more risky. Um, so yeah, it is definitely something that is not in the best interest of a woman and does have the potential for um, not only psychological trauma, but also physical trauma as well. Can you guys maybe speak a little bit to what makes the abortion pill uniquely dangerous and what kind of repercussions we could see from it dispensing this pill regimen um, through avenues that do, as you said, take out the human element? Well, we know that mifepristone, one of the 
definite side effects of mifepristone is heavy bleeding. So if a woman has been promised privacy, so she's at home and she's, how, she's questioning how much is too much bleeding. So there is no one to sort of regulate that, to know. Um, I think a lot of the women who call us are completely shocked by the amount of pain and bleeding that they're having. Um, if you've seen the movie Unplanned, I think it described it pretty accurately. Um, not only the the bleeding and the pain she was having, but her shock. She she worked in the abortion industry, and she, I don't think she even understood what was about to happen to her. And again, just like in that movie, she was dealing with this alone. So many of the women are alone as they deal with this. We also know that um, mifepristone and misoprostol, both of them lower your body's ability to deal with infection, which is scary because if there is any part of the pregnancy left in the uterus, um, you can have an infection. So any symptoms that continue beyond 24 hours, you really need to be checked. You really need to know if you have an infection. Um, as we progress this beyond um, first trimester, I know in the future that may be a possibility for the abortion industry. Um, there's also increased, even more increased risk of bleeding because of how it affects arteries. So they don't, they don't contract properly because of how these medications work. And so the idea of having a uterus that is larger, a baby that's larger, and having these arteries that will not contract, um, all that is very concerning for women. And it's my understanding that the farther in the pregnancy, the more risky um, these are. And as many as one in five women require some kind of surgical procedure, some kind of intervention after a chemical abortion. That's a lot of women. If we're talking, you know, about the number of these that are being performed, it's a lot of women that see, need to seek help. But the, the, the primary things, you know, there's a lot of side effects of this, the, the nausea, the vomiting, the pain, the bleeding, the headache, um, the dizziness, that, 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 that is to be expected. But the, the idea of infection or hemorrhaging, um, we've talked to women who have called us because the abortion facility is not answering, so they've called us. It's not what we're set up for, we're set up for abortion pill reversal, but they'll call because they don't know who to talk to, how to get help, and we'll send them for emergency intervention. But some of them have been bleeding six or seven days heavily, um, and that just breaks my heart to think of what they've been going through alone without any help, without anyone to say, let's take you for assistance um, or be a doctor to be able to call to say, what is normal? What is abnormal? How, can, how do I get help for what, what I'm going through? That brings to mind the, Cal the UC Davis study that was um, put on hold um, because Dr. Crinan was trying to test um, the successfulness of abortion pill reversal. And so it, there's a lot of ethical issues here um, in and of itself, but ultimately a uh, quick summary is he had 10 women who were pregnant and um, come in and to test the abortion pill reversal. So he promised them that, and they signed off that they were going to have the chemical abortion or a placebo pill. They didn't know which. Um, and he promised that all of them would have surgical abortions if the abortion pill reversal worked. Um, but they, that study had to be halted because two out of five of the women who received um, the placebo, so they were not getting any progesterone, they had, they all had the mifepristone, um, but they were hemorrhaging so bad they had to go to the ER. And so they, mind you, they did not have any progesterone at all, which is what is used for um, abortion pro-reversal, but they were bleeding so badly and they halted the study because of 
multiple women bleeding. Now they tried to kind of muddy that um, in a lot of ways to say that APR was um, not helpful for women and dangerous, but the fact of the matter is that all was the result of the mifepristone, which is on the label as a side effect, the um, hemorrhaging, and but it was to a degree that it was so much that these women, they needed to get blood, one of them had to get a blood transfusion because she lost so much blood. And this was completely monitored by a doctor and being followed. And so it is something that is listed as a side effect to uh, what Krista was saying earlier with Abby Johnson's real life story going through this situation. She worked in an abortion clinic. She was not, she felt very ill prepared for what she was um, about to do with her chemical abortion and the, the amount of blood that she had for as long as she did. She was angry at the fact of the lack of information that was given. And that is something that we do know um, exists because it does lessen the uh, the ease at which it is presented as here, take it home, it'll be done, no big deal. And so when you have these complications come into play and you're not in the medical profession, you don't know who to talk to because when it's presented as what Chris was saying earlier, the privacy of your own home, you're not telling people. So therefore it opens up another door of issues because who do you then talk to? Exactly. Yeah. When thinking about the, with the abortion pill and the push um, for it to be put through um, telemedicine or online sales, I always think about um, how the abortion industry will talk about how um, abortion should be, be between a woman and her doctor. And like you said previously, Andrea, just kind of taking that human element out of it, you dispensing the abortion pill through telemedicine or through um, even more so um, online outlets only puts um, another degree of a woman away from medical attention um, that she that she deserves to be safe. Um, and honestly, it, it brings to mind to me the idea of back alley abortions. And it really feels like in a lot of, in a very meaningful way, the abortion pill is the new back alley abortion. These women are going through this in their own bathrooms, sometimes with pills, bought from online that could be from other countries. Um, and it really becomes very dangerous. Um, but you guys also run the abortion pill reversal hotline and, uh, for women in crisis, that is a amazing resource. And there is hope even if women have taken the first abortion pill and have regretted it. What can you guys tell us about APR? Sure. So that's the part that makes me smile. So, so much of this is sad and it breaks my heart, but there is hope. So that's the part that's wonderful. So, um, so what we have available to us is a cutting edge application of a time tested FDA approved treatment that's been used for decades to help women who are at risk for preterm delivery or miscarriage. So many women are low on progesterone and just need some prometrium to to continue their pregnancies. And with abortion pill reversal, um, when the woman takes that first medication, so she goes to the clinic, um, usually she pays, she has her ultrasound, she, um, she gets her first medication there with a cup of water. The second medication is given to her to take at, at home 48 hours later. I think you cut out for a second there, Krista. I'll pick up real quick and you come back. <laughs> um, so as we were talking earlier about the abortion pill being the two-step process, 
So when she goes, she takes the first pill, the mifepristone at the clinic, and then is sent home with the second pill, misoprostol. If after taking that first pill, um, which in many cases has to be taken at the abortion facility, if she has regret, which um, we have seen multiple times in the parking lot of the abortion facility, um, there is hope. As Krista said, she can call um, or go online to abortionpillreversal.com and will be connected to um, a nurse who, uh, or a healthcare professional who will take, get some questions, connect her with um, a healthcare professional within her community, and then start administering that progesterone Prometrium um, to help uh, reverse the effects of that progesterone blocker. So basically, we're flooding the system with progesterone now and helping that baby thrive again. And then she'll go in um, connecting either continuously with the um, doctor who prescribed or with the pregnancy help medical clinic to um, continue to monitor that pregnancy and see um, the growth and follow that for a couple more weeks or as long as is necessary. And then um, continue to walk alongside her to help her find any resources that she needs, walk through parenting classes and just be that care and support um, throughout. So there's information at abortionpillreversal.com. Um, she can talk on through the phone or through chat. We also have email. It's very confidential. Um, basically our goal is to connect her with the help that she needs um, at the time that she needs it the most. That is amazing. It makes me so happy, Andrea and Krista, to hear all the amazing work that Heartbeat International and the Abortion Pill um, Rescue Network um, are doing to really meet women um, when they need help the most. Um, and so many women do feel regret um, after they've taken the first abortion pill and to know that there are people who care about them, who want to set them up with resources, who want to help them reverse that abortion um, is so encouraging and so hopeful. Um, but yeah, so guys, thank you so much for um, being on our podcast today. I would definitely recommend everyone who's listening to go and to check out the abortion pill uh, rescue line. If you just type in abortion pill reversal into Google, it will pop right up. I've done it a million times myself. Um, and uh, yeah, make sure that you have all that contact information to give people those resources in case you run into someone who has taken the first abortion pill and might need help. But yeah, so Andrea, Krista, thank you so much. You guys are a wealth of information on all things abortion pill related. And we are so happy that you guys are doing the work you do to support women and uh, protect babies. Well, thank you, Allie. I know Ohio Roots Life is working a lot and we are glad to have you as friends in this movement. And um, we are happy to work alongside you as well to um, just get the word out and help advance our culture for life. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We're excited to work on the legislative front a lot, Andrea, and we appreciate the work you guys are doing, boots on the ground, as, uh, as we try to support women in even more ways. So you guys' work is invaluable, and uh, we really appreciated you uh, being willing to come and uh, talk about your awesome work on our podcast today. Anytime. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. You're listening to the Pro-Life Ohio podcast presented by Ohio Right to Life. Founded in 1967, Ohio Right to Life, with more than 45 chapters and local affiliates, 
is Ohio's oldest and largest grassroots pro-life organization. Recognized as the flagship of the pro-life movement in Ohio, Ohio Right to Life works through legislation and education to promote and defend innocent human life from conception to natural death. We are Pro-Life Ohio, and we will end abortion.